Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It is Friday, January 22nd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Brandon Marcello, National College Football Reporter for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, feels like there's a lot happening. Tennessee finally hired an AD. Or not finally, it's, it's only been a few days. Tennessee also has a, a, a roster purge happening with some top flight players hitting the transfer portal. But I've got you on today to talk about the Pac-12 and the fact that Commissioner Larry Scott, his 12-year run will come to an end on June 30th. The league announced late Wednesday night and a decision that was deemed as mutual. But to you, this comes as no surprise. No, in fact, you know, I guess when I first kind of took this job and started reaching out to people nationally and everything, it became quite apparent quickly when I was speaking to people that uh, Larry Scott didn't have long for the uh, West Coast because everybody it's talked to just kept, you know, not this, well, I guess you could say bad mouthing him, but we're also saying, hey, this contract's coming to an end right at a point where the Pac-12 is going to be in a position to work out a new media rights deal and as a lot of people know, their media rights deal that they have right now is abysmal compared to the other Power Five conferences. And um, when I saw that announcement come Thursday night, wasn't surprising. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. I was actually kind of thinking that we might see it get sped up a little bit because of what was going on during the pandemic when all the other Power Five conferences were setting up to play a season and the Pac-12 was just following the Big Ten's lead and then still a week or two behind them and really played itself out of contention of one, the playoff, but also making some money of some sort. And um, yeah, listen, we'll go more in depth in this, but it, it, it was not to say that was a straw that broke the camel's back, but it may have just sped things up a little bit more instead of waiting another year to keep them around. Can you describe the dynamics of the Autonomy 5 this summer when they'd, let's say they'd, they'd get on a Zoom call and maybe they threw in the, uh, the the group of five conferences too. What sort of seat at the table do you think the Pac-12 had from a position of power of just influencing any sort of decisions? I'm guessing nobody really listened to anything that Larry Scott or the Pac-12 by proxy said. And more so, it doesn't feel like they ever really tried to lead us through anything. The last point there you made is that the, the Pac-12 hasn't been known as something to kind of lead the conversation or bring something to the table that sparks a conversation or goes a certain direction, especially when it came to everything that was going on uh, during the pandemic. And part of that, you know, not to get too deep in here in the weeds, but part of that was because on the West Coast, lockdowns and things and the protocols there were a little bit stronger than, say, in the in the you know the Midwest or in the SEC. So they couldn't really come out and say, "Hey, we're going to do this. How about this? How this this an idea to make sure we're able to get into practices and get back into our facilities." Um, so they weren't really leading that conversation. But you know, when it comes to you know, business dealings and things of that sort. I think Larry Scott's actually pretty good at that type of stuff and dealing with the business world and everything. But when it comes to dealing with 
and communicating with people, his peers. He, he is not uh, very good with that. In fact, he was notorious in the Pac-12 offices for kind of shutting himself out, so to speak, by not communicating with people, not being too great of a communicator. He lived the life of luxury, mm. flying private jet around to, to games on Saturdays and not even staying for full games. Whereas you go around the other Power Five conferences, their commissioners pick like one game that, that day. And they go and spend the entire day in that college town chatting with the AD and everything. And if they, if it's possible, they stay there for the morning game. And if they can go to a late night game, they might try, but they're definitely not trying to just get in and out, you know, and not really make any connection with anybody. So it, it's incredible to me that kind of how everything, you know, his, his whole tenure went from one that was when he first got there, he had some really great ideas to kind of jolt the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 or the Pac-10 at that time, it it just wasn't, it wasn't a football conference. We all know that. And it's still working to get to that point, but it wasn't something that was permeating through the, 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 the national scene, especially on the East coast. So we all know that, you know, we talk about East coast bias, but some of that's just built from one time zones. I mean, listen, not everybody's going to stay up late to, to, to watch games and everything. So they don't get to see the great players out there. And he didn't really do much to change that perspective, though he tried by doing some interesting things, his China initiative, starting the Pac-12 networks, which in hindsight was a pretty bad deal. But at the time, I remember when it was announced, people were going crazy, thinking it was genius and thinking it was fantastic. But then once you started going through the ledger mm-hmm. and what what was what was being spent and what was actually coming in and going out, it was a horrible, horrible deal that they came up with. Yeah, no one gets it. It's they they, they would still put games on it. I saw that the the Pac twelve uh, its schools received thirty one point three million in conference revenue from media rights in twenty nineteen, which is the the Big Ten's fifty one. So that's a twenty million dollar gap. The SEC was forty four point six. The SEC will will have a new deal, or they already have a new deal with ESPN, and then the ACC. Uh, has a, a a new deal too. It's it's really quite a shame, and I sort of like the idea. You know, recently explored of the the nine a.m. Pacific kick. I'm hoping that helps visibility. It just feels like you mentioned it. The Pac-12 is struggling with its identity as a football conference. Back 15 years ago, USC was winning national titles. Oregon. Oregon played in the playoff in the national title in the first year of the playoff. Like we can get back to that, but it feels like Larry Scott. He was a football outsider. He came from tennis. He didn't really value that. And, and Brandon, your your stories about comparing him to what other commissioners will do when they come to campus for a day—that's just so stark. You've got one guy who spends an hour or two in a luxury box, and then you've got another guy who just can't get enough of the um, of the of the football lifestyle. Do do you think it's a slam dunk? that the Pac-12 and its next commissioner will get someone from a football rabid school or a, a, a very uh, large football background? Well, that and or they're going to look for someone because it's all come down to the CEO group and, and which is the presidents and, and the athletic directors uh, with some input there. What they're going to want is someone that's like them. And in my opinion, just in the very brief conversations I've had with a couple of people since this happened Thursday is that that maybe the best hire going forward would be a very successful forward-thinking athletics director to become the commissioner of the Pac-12 and someone who can relate with the everyday 
issues that these athletic directors deal with on their respective campuses, which are spread across the West Coast. But every school, as we know, is not quite the same, especially in the Pac-12, because of just of how you know, not high-minded, I guess that's the wrong word to use, but I mean, listen, it is, there's some fantastic education uh, going on out there, the educational institution. So you need someone that can deal with, say, an Oregon State, but also a Stanford and understand the differences between the two universities and the way they go about their business. But, you know, people go, well, you don't want the Pac-12 to get away from, you know, someone who doesn't quite understand how to negotiate a TV deal. And my counter argument to that is this, the commissioner isn't the one who should be dealing with that anyway. Hire a commissioner that understands the schools and puts them first and deals with them on a daily basis and hire your lieutenants, hire someone who has a background in dealing with media rights deals and things of that sort in the digital landscape. You don't need to to be someone who has to be in charge of everything and do everything. And that's kind of what Larry Scott tried to do sometimes. He was always trying to talk about TV deals and everything. In fact, in an interview Thursday night, he was even saying, I was looking forward to working out a new TV deal when the TV contract expired. It's like, that shouldn't be in your wheelhouse. That shouldn't be the one thing that you should be focusing on and no one else is helping you with. So in my opinion, they need to go get someone who has administrative experience in college sports and especially on the West Coast because things are so much different from the West Coast to even the Mountain West to the Big East. If I say the Big East, but you know what I mean? I mean, listen, it's just different across these schools and it's a different atmosphere out there. So get you get you an AD or an administrator or someone at another conference nearby to lead that conference and let them hire lieutenants and restructure things. And also, to be quite honest, make some sound business decisions and cut back on some things. For example, why are you paying $7 million a year for offices in San Francisco? I mean, this is a conference that started in, in Portland, you know, and had offices and other cities in California. You didn't need to be in downtown San Francisco purchasing and leasing out the most expensive real estate you could find. Same with your television studios. I mean, we all saw, you know, back in uh, November or something like, I think it was November, when the Pac-12 network had laid off a bunch of people. And meanwhile, Larry Scott was getting a bonus. And Larry Scott gets paid $5.3 million a year. That's the highest total out of all the Power 5 commissioners, I believe. So it just... It was topsy-turvy out there. Larry Scott came in, had some forward-thinking ideas, but in retrospect, he was making these decisions pretty much without being questioned all that much because he was new on the job. And meanwhile, within a year of him making decisions to start their own Pac-12 network and all this stuff, you had the SEC partnering with ESPN so that someone with television experience, that being ESPN, owning the SEC network would run it and the SEC would pretty much just get a lot of money from it. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the PAC 12, which had no experience in that they're starting a whole network from the ground up and trying to hire people to come in and run it. And I've read stories in the past about how they hired people and they were just doing whatever they wanted on air. They were just trying things day to day. What kind of plan is that when you're trying to sell your network to cable and satellite providers? And we all know they had a big issue with that. So, you know, some of these things when you first came in sounded good on paper and the announcements were flashy. You know, we're building offices in San Francisco. We're going there and all this stuff. 
was flashy, was forward thinking, but there was really no substance behind it. And boy, did it really cost the Pac-12 monetarily, but also with its image. I've got one for you, and I don't know if you're going to say zero or 100, so I'm kind of excited to see. The Pac-12 has not made the playoffs since 2016. What percent of the blame for that would you assign to Larry Scott? You know, that's a good question. Because I, the, I, I the, the bad recruiting is a direct result of the, the football visibility. Yeah, sure. You know, but I, I'd counter that with, you know, USC is USC and Oregon's Oregon. Nothing's changed about those programs, really especially USC other than coaching. I mean, USC's always been and should be a successful program. Oregon is a program that became successful because of the money that was put behind it, not because of how the Pac-12 was perceived. So you had two programs automatically built up there to have success. But the problem is, is that, you know, with the emergence and not the emergence, but the domination of Alabama and Clemson on the national scene, it's like it, it just kind of sucked the air out of the, out of things and the West Coast was kind of left out in the dark. Same with the Big 12 lately. Even though Oklahoma's been to the college football playoff four times, they're kind of seen as almost as a joke when they get to the, to the postseason now because of what's going on in the SEC and the ACC. But maybe there's some blame to be spent there with, with Larry Scott, but not completely. I, I think more so that the Pac-12 should be in a stronger position. I mean, we could sit here and think, like, what, what could the Pac-12 be? And certainly it could be better and should be better because of better television deals and and uh, visibility out there. But it's difficult to kind of equate what the Pac-12 would look like today if, say, you know, there was a different commissioner that worked out a television deal with, say, Fox Sports or ESPN, where they ran it and owned it, and they got the money out of it, and they were able to come up with a better revenue model and also better visibility for their programs on television networks. I mean, Larry Scott even said himself, they started the Pac-12 networks to give more visibility to their Olympic sports. That's right. Why? why? That's right. Yeah. I and mean, like, listen, no offense to gymnastics, but that's, yeah. not what, that, that's not what we're doing here. That's like saying uh, 24-7 sports, Brandon Marcello really likes throwing Frisbees to dogs. So we're going to focus on our coverage on that during the offseason. I mean, just because you want to get the help out some of the students and get their visibility out there and their parents can watch them on TV, doesn't mean that needs to be your number one focus for starting an entire television network. To think, to think that they didn't have football at the forefront of their minds, or basketball for that matter, is ludicrous to me and obviously that's going to have to change immediately with their through their new commissioner and as i said i just don't think you bring in a media savvy commissioner you bring in someone who connects with all those schools is familiar with how the the pac-12 works school to school and then you bring in a couple of lieutenants or something like that that have a very strong background in dealing with media rights that's a great point here's my last one so Larry Scott's out. Pac-12 will hire somebody else. The ACC's uh, going through its commissioner change. The Big Ten's got someone, Kevin Warren, relatively new on the job. Big 12, Bob Bullsby will now be the only commissioner who was an architect of the college football playoff because Greg Sankey took over for Mike Slive a little bit after that. It's clear that we've got some, some serious change on the horizon for college football. Playoff expansion, media rights to molt, realignment in, in college football in the next few years. As a college football reporter, what would be your projection for what our world looks like 
in 2025. Are you concerned about the direction we might be taking or are you excited about making some changes that you might think we collectively as a sport need to make? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, listen, things have really sped up over the last several years. I think part of it's because it's just filtered into our everyday life, the, the immediacy of needing something. And we've been more willing to change things and shift things. So I, I think, number one, I think we're probably going to see quite a bit of changes. And and one thing is, if you try to change too much at once, then things become unstable. Whether it's, you know, with name, image, likeness, maybe expanding the playoff, maybe another round of... Uh, expansion and realignment and conferences. I, I think, you know, that's not, I don't know if it's getting talked about a lot or not, but I seem to think that someone's going to try to make a move here. And if I was the PAC 12, for example, we're talking about the PAC 12, why wouldn't you try to make some moves here before you go into another television deal? Because like add some schools, right? I mean, listen, we're, we're talking about Larry Scott being when he first got there, those first couple of years, he was looked at as like this forward thinking genius he almost got Oklahoma and Texas into the Pac-16. I yeah. think we'd be talking, well, maybe we'd be, maybe Larry Scott would still be the commissioner. I don't know. But they would be in a much stronger position with those two teams there. Then again, OU and Texas, if they didn't have great visibility on a Pac-12 network, they'd probably be trying to look to get out. But I do think if you added those two schools, the Pac-12 networks would look much different right now. But having said that, it was still mismanaged. But I, I think that... um you know, there's a lot, lots of things can change here. I, I think the college football playoff will inevitably expand, but the number one thing coming up is going to be name, image, and likeness. How does that change the sport two years from now? You know, we look at the transfer portal when it came on board, what, 2018? And look where college sports is now. I think, obviously, with the pandemic and now more players are in it because they get a free year of eligibility, so to speak. It's going to change a lot of programs um, for the for good, better, and for worse. What does name, image, and likeness do going into that, and when does that all go into effect? You know, federally, obviously, the Congress is not going to discuss it here in the first three months of the Joe Biden presidency, reportedly. So we're still a little ways off from that, but states are already enacting their own laws. Excuse me. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that that is going to be the first domino, in my opinion, that's going to affect a lot of different other things and whether we see an expanded playoff or different network deals and the Pac-12, whoever they hire, as a side note, they need to try and find someone who could help be ahead of that curve and be forward thinking like Larry Scott was back in 2011, but do so with some actual good business sense and people behind him working with him or her as their lieutenants, because that wasn't the case in the Pac-12. I'm glad you brought up name, image, likeness. I had totally forgotten about about uh, presenting that when I mentioned all the changes coming up. This was really good perspective. It is kind of interesting to go and to look back at how we thought of Larry Scott when he first came onto the scene. And it's sort of, it was like the Elon Musk of college football. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and like so much innovation and, and kind of shaking up the establishment and... In turn, he's just, you know, the Pac-12 is left behind. So here's here's to them making a great hire. And here's the Pac-12 yeah. getting back on track and figuring this out because the sport is in a worse spot when those schools do not matter as much. And it's uh, it's not good for the future of college football. Brandon Marcello, however, very good for the college football daily. Follow him on Twitter at BMarcello. You've been really busy with your uh, college football coaching carousel tracker. You've been like uploading that, like updating that like 10 times a day. So there's, you know, I, I appreciate you joining us. And I, I know there's still a lot going on 
in, in the college football world as far as assistance moving around and what's going on in Tennessee. So we'll get you back on soon. I'm Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. Y'all have a great week and we'll talk to you Monday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.